What are friends for? Friends are for (laughs) mother friends making very good soups and taking like four more minutes because you're freaking pregnant. And you know what? You're like, I'm going to enjoy this cookie also. Okay. Um, I'm Gabrielle Ruiz, everyone. Welcome. And I'm Gabrielle's best friend with the mom who made the soup, (laughs) Pallavi Sastry. (laughs) Hey, I will have you know, though, I took the lead on making that soup. So you're right. You're right. So friends are for making each other soup, which is your love language, making food for people. It's correct, right? Yeah, I think we'll probably get into that because I feel like that's part of our notes today. But like we, for this episode, and I love these types of episodes because it feels like I'm a good student, you know, and I'm like doing Mm -hmm. a book report. Mm -hmm. On that note, I want to thank all of the listeners and all you future listeners or new listeners. Thank you for rating and reviewing What Are Friends For on Apple Podcasts and sharing on Spotify. All of those things help. It's like an Instagram algorithm, you guys. Like every time we get a comment, it like moves to the top of the feed. So it really makes a difference. So um, keep doing it. And uh, I think we should just get into this intro. What do you think, Gabrielle? Because we have so much to talk about. I think so. And I'm so happy you wrote a book report because I can't wait to learn about it. (laughs) Uh, We're going to introduce our really exciting guest friend for this episode, author, speaker, millennial workplace expert. Oh, and community builder, Smiley Pozwalski. Welcome to WAF. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here today. <laughs> you mean here, but like on Zoom, but not here, here, but here. Because you're, you're the expert, so you let us know. <laughs> all, the, all the places. Yeah. I feel, like we're, I feel like, like we're in the same room. I feel like we're in the same room. We're in the same room. We're in the same Perfect. room. Perfect. I mean, thankfully, you are one of the few guests that we get on the right time zone. So, like, we don't have to worry about, like, <laughs> if it's too early or too late for either of us. So, that's always nice. We're all in the same headspace. It's a nice afternoon. We've had our lunch. You know what I mean? Pallavi's lunch. <laughs> We've yes. all had your lunch. <laughs> and your soup. It's so good. We'll put it on the WAF blog. Can we put the can we put the recipe on the WAF blog? Can we just talk sure, about it for you, two seconds? Okay, what kind of soup thing, it is? Listen, like you know I don't write down recipes though. So you're gonna have to make you're gonna make me write down a freaking recipe now. But anyway, let's not talk about my soup anymore. Let's talk about Smiley Pazwalski. <laughs> Uh, so you are, I've heard this, I've seen this quote in some of the interviews and articles about you that you are a millennial whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And we're, we're millennials as well, but I have to tell you anecdotally, and we can get into this because I want to hear your sort of like diagnosis of what a millennial is, but our producer, Anna is much younger than us. She is a Z-lennial or, and I asked her earlier today, I was like, is it Z-lennial? Millennial? Is it Zenial? She said it doesn't matter. They're both nonsense words. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> and also, You're like, okay, learned- okay, middle part. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we also learned from the lovely Stacey Brinkman, who's um, a lovely entrepreneur from Texas. She said that she called herself a grandma millennial, which really resonated with, with the, me with and Gabrielle. The, yeah, I feel seen. Yeah, but there's like, I feel like you are the guy to ask on 
what is a millennial and how, what are the qualities that define our generation? <laughs> sure. So there's no definitive answer. I, I kind of identify with that elder millennial it as well. There's a, there's a great standup routine uh, on Netflix called Elder Millennial. Is it Eliza, your standup Eliza routine? Schlesinger. No, she's like oh. legit famous Netflix deal. <laughs> my, my routines are mostly, you know, on Instagram or just, in, in person on stage, but or maybe on paper, on paper, yeah, know, in words, Smiley. in books. You never know, Smiley. Don't say that. You, yeah. you know, what if you do get a Netflix deal? They might be listening right That's now. That's right. I I got a little bit of an amateur stand up comedy thing going on, but it's mostly like workplace humor. <laughs> <laughs> but so I was born in 1983. So if you ask like the New York Times and Pew Research Center, I'm actually not a millennial. They usually define <gasps> it as 1984 to 1997. Oh my so that's God. the millennials after 1997 is Gen Z. So usually people define Gen Z as if you don't remember September 11th, like as the date <laughs> like where you were on that day. That makes sense. You're Gen Z, also known as the smartphone generation or iGen, kind of a generation that only knows the world through digital devices. But we were kind of in this special category of like, didn't really have technology when we were kids. We had AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, but we not until like middle school. In middle school, right? And we had Oregon yeah. Trail, you know, like getting dysentery, yes. playing Oregon Trail. Polio. Polio was a big deal for me all the time. I always got lucky, um, unlucky with polio. And then we started to get email in college. And I didn't actually get a cell phone until pretty much sophomore junior year of college i think a razor motorola well i had the snake phone and it's then like i had 2005 the that's like yeah, 2004 exactly mm-hmm. so we're you know in this in this interesting boat but i identify more with millennial than gen x so gen x is kind of that slacker generation 1965 to 1980ish days and confused breakfast club <laughs> that so I'm I'm just not that, and I'm probably not a pure millennial either. So we're kind of in the middle. But millennials are often kind of defined as you know generation looking for purpose in the workplace. I would mm. say that's most important, relevant to my work. So people always say millennials are the me 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 generation, like lazy, entitled is probably the most common stereotype. Sure, Sel- sure, sure. Selfie generation, which is obviously very accurate. But I actually think that most of the stereotypes couldn't be kind of further from the truth. The truth is the majority of millennials would take a pay cut to find work that matches their values. They turn down money to do work they actually care about. Pretty interesting. Speaking my truth. Majority of millennials want to use their skills for good. They think the business world is too focused on their own agenda and profit and not focused enough on improving society and social and environmental causes. God, so, what selfish assholes they are, these millennials. <laughs> they actually care. So I have How a more positive. <laughs> I have a more positive outlook on on the generation. That doesn't mean that everything millennials do is great. It doesn't mean that there aren't entitled millennials. It doesn't mean that there's. We've all known the millennial that goes into work or starts a job and is like, uh, "I've been here three weeks. I think I should." get a promotion, be the CEO and tell everyone what to do. (laughs) Um, I'm showing up like I was here. Where's the promotion? It's like, it's your third day. (laughs) But you're supposed to be here. That's your job. Like You're doing your job. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I 
love it. I love it. But uh, I mean, okay, that's that's great because I think it will inform you know the the reason why you wrote the book. So which we will get into it. But what we love about having you on the show is that we were sort of introduced to you virtually by another guest friend who we consider a friend now as well, Cat Velos. And so, and then, and then on Clubhouse, which is a whole nother landscape now, is when you and I actually like were able to converse for the first time. But again, like this is the first time I'm seeing you face to face virtually again. But it's it's a really great like I think bow tie bow tie way to to have this conversation. We're really glad that we got the opportunity to read your book and do a book report, like I said before. Hints to friends or reality, yeah. The book is called Friendship in the Age of Loneliness, and you can find links to it. You can find Smiley all on our WAF blog, which is on our Patreon account, patreon.com slash WAF podcast. It's our free page. Don't worry. We won't we won't swipe your CC. You can go check it out and see what this book is all about. There's t- he's like he's like doing like the the interview route right now. And he squeezed us in at WAF Podcast. So you'll see Smiley. You'll get to know more about him. He's going to be all over. And we're so excited to add Insta Friends versus Reality with a February 25th post, Smiley, on your Instagram that talks about like early morning presentation. You're doing like a super early one, belonging in a remote workforce. And do you remember that day? I think so. Yeah. To the Business Council of Westchester. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations yeah. on booking yeah. it. Yes. And you talk about and you encourage them to talk about um, you know, both the losses and gains of the last year of the pandemic. And so we wanted to actually use that um because what we love about this segment is that we don't just like observe our friends using their Instagram. We use it as a tool to start the conversation. So we looked at that post, we said, Oh, losses and gains of the last year. That's a really great exercise. So what do you feel like? were your gains from 2020, not the losses, right? Because that's what we're trying to concentrate on is what are the gains? Yeah, because I think, you know, this usually gets framed as like, oh my God, COVID, the pandemic. And it's like, yes, it's been awful. Like, it sucks. I miss my friends. I miss going to live music. I miss like being in a dinner party, meeting people, hugging people. I'm a, you know, my my nickname is Smiley. Like, I love people, obviously. And I love dancing. And I love going out. And I love just being out and about. But actually, you know, the truth is, I actually feel like I gained, well, the most important thing in my life that I gained this year is love and partnership. So mm-hmm. I started dating uh, my partner, an amazing woman on Ali Flom on January 4th, 2020. So we had been friends for a couple of years, but we reconnected on January 4th. I was hosting a house show at my, my uh, house in Oakland and she came um, and we reconnected. And basically four dates later, which was six weeks later in March, we decided to quarantine together because mm. I was like, I guess I could stay. I, I lived in a big house with 12 roommates. So I was like, I could stay with my 12 roommates or I could go with this really amazing woman and move into her place. What we talk a lot about is how uh, friendship and partnership, they are honestly very parallel skills to have. Like, you know, the skills that it takes to build a romantic partnership with somebody are very similar to the skills you have to use in order to keep a friendship alive. You know, they're not always going to be fun, funny, laughter, some rainbows and sunshine sort of conversations. And you get kind of when you're 
when you're like in front of somebody and quarantined with them, you know, and she was a friend before you said, right. So like you already have to like face the uncomfortable because you have nowhere else to go. Exactly. (laughs) I think I, I think I realized, you know, I was using travel, work, busyness, social engagements as kind of the distraction. Even my roommates, actually, if I'm being honest, like, oh, there's a little I tension mean, here. I'm going to go complain to my roommates about it. Or like, what well, do you think about this? Well, one of the 12. I mean, one of the 12. You had a lot of you had a lot of options to just like tap in and then tap out. <laughs> right. I also don't want to like hate too much on co-living because co-living is an amazing, beautiful thing for friendship. <laughs> sure. I, I really believe in like living in community, regardless of your age. I think more adults should live in community. I think more families should, you know, have their own spaces, but like pot up and have, you know, houses that are nearby or apartments nearby because friendship and community should be something that we don't get just like in college or in our early twenties. Like it's so true. Adults. Well, you'd love my house. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. It's a full house over there at the Sastry house. (laughs) But I remember like when Allie and I were kind of having our first, you know, get to know you like moments of, Ooh, like I didn't know that about you or like that kind of pisses me off or how are we going to deal with this? I would look to be like, where can I, I got, where can I go? Like, I gotta, there's gotta be something I'm doing tonight. Or like, I'm going, I'm going to go out of town this weekend. Like, let's take a couple right. days of just like not talking or like, I'm going to go to my, you know, boys weekend or something. And it was just like, there's nowhere to go. It's just like, <laughs> I can go <laughs> take a walk or I guess we could just talk about this. Do you want to talk <laughs> about this? Like, should we talk yeah, it out? let's talk about it. Let's talk it out. And that's really what a really real relationship or true friendship is, is communication and talking it out. And yeah, like you said, it's not always the good times, but it's being able to weather the the tense mm-hmm. moments and having that space where you actually can, can dig into it. No, really, Pallavi. I love diving deep into platonic love with you. It has really gotten me through this pandemic. Same here, Gabrielle. And, you know, we are happily working so hard to produce this slay content for all of our listeners. Uh, Yeah, that's why I'm so glad we joined Patreon. Hey, Patreon. (laughs) Patreon is the opportunity for our listeners to get exclusive perks from us all while supporting our podcast dreams. What kind of perks, Pallavi? Let me tell you about them perks, okay? Our Patreon page has tiers to choose from, so you can pick the WAF perks that speak to you. For example, just for joining as a WAF friend, patrons automatically get access to the vodcast. Gabrielle, tell them what a vodcast is. It's the video version of our podcast where you can see us and our guest friends interviewed on camera. And wait for it, it's only $2 a month. Yes, it gets better. We are also offering the option to join us for a monthly WAF live show and Q&A. Oh my God, that's amazing. So they can ask us about anything. Not only can they ask us anything, there's even a few tiers where they could come on and win a chance to meet our guest friends to ask them anything. Slay, slay, slay. You know, I think what we're most proud of is that 10% of all proceeds from our Patreon page go to charity. So not only are we focusing on great content for you, we also get the opportunity to give back. So you're saying that all you got to do to get these perks is join at patreon.com slash podcast. That's W-A-F-F podcast. And that directly helps us keep making the show. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because that's what friends are for. Now back to WAF. Hi, I'm Smiley Pazwalski, and you're listening to What Are Friends For? Right, yeah. right. 
So, you know, before we really go into the dissection of your book, do you want to tell us a little bit about why you wrote it? Sure. So the book has a little bit of a kind of dual origin story. So I first started writing it long before the pandemic, um, actually in 2017. So one of my best friends died at the age of 32 from brain cancer. Um, he, um, a man named Levi Felix, uh, he had started a summer camp for adults called Camp Grounded, which is a tech-free digital detox summer camp for adults. Um, so we would take, uh, 300 adults, like not kids <laughs> into the Redwoods in Northern California and Mendocino, uh, and later, and then in the, uh, in upstate New York and in, in Texas and North Carolina for four days in the woods. And when people arrived at camp, we take away their cell phones Apple Watches, MacBook Pros, no digital technology. People couldn't use their real names, so they had to have a nickname like Smiley or Cookie Surprise or Sunshine or Bricky St. James or whatever. <laughs> you can't talk about work. There's no, what do you do? Where do you work? Oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. There's no age, so you can't be like, you know, oh, I'm t- how old are you? I'm 22. I'm 68. Like, oh, my gosh, you look young. You look old, whatever. None of that. Mm. No, t- no telling time. So it was really just magical kind of experience that uh, ended up 3,000 people ended up attending in the course of five years. It really changed a lot of people's lives, providing kind of this place for authentic connection and vulnerability and play. And I wanted to write something that remembered Levi and was kind of reminding myself the lessons he taught me about the power of disconnecting from technology and having balance in the digital age. So that's where the book started. I kind of started the early drafts of just writing like, oh, I want to write a book about friendship then. And I kind of sat on it for a little while and then revisited it when I was actually experiencing a lot of loneliness uh, in my own life, which is, again, kind of maybe surprising to people that know me pretty well, because, again, Mm -hmm. I'm a social person. I'm always meeting people. I go to conferences. I'm positive. I'm kind of like my job is, I guess, to inspire people (laughs) (laughs) through writing and through speaking. That's all they see, not the reality. That's all they They see. see And then you know how it is. Yeah, you know how they see the Insta friend and you know how it is through social media. Like it's not, that's not really the place to talk about that stuff usually. Like, oh, I'm having a bad day. It's like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know what to do with this. Like sad emoji or like a cup of tea or what, you know, it's more just accomplishments, highlight reels. But, you know, I was kind of living a lot of, of tough time feeling really lonely. Like who are my friends? Like who are my real friends? Like getting back to that kind of like feeling from college or my early 20s, but I'm like, yep, these are my like core eight to 10 people in my life. And now I was like, wait, I have all these people. I've got like 4,000 Facebook friends, Instagram followers. I meet new people literally every day, but I feel like I've drifted away from that core. So part of the book was trying to get back to that. And it was interesting because when I first pitched the title of this book, like the publisher was like, oh, we really, we love, we love what you're doing. We love that you're writing about friendship, but we can't use that title. We can't have loneliness in the title. Wow. They said that, huh? And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, that's the point of it. It's dealing with friendship and the importance of friendship in the age of loneliness. We're all lonely. 60% of Americans, 60% of Americans are lonely, right? 80% yes. of Gen Z, 70% of millennials. So like a ton of people, this is an epidemic. And they're like, well, the thing is like, no one wants to admit that they're lonely. So no one's going to buy a book that says like, I'm lonely. I need this. Like it's kind of, it makes you feel it's, it's, it's sad or it's like some, and I was like, but that's how I feel. 
So we agreed to, you <laughs> know, they, what I they, write about. That, right. So they bought the book, but they were like contingent upon likely changing the title. And then of course the pandemic happened and they were like, oh, we love, this is gold. Yeah. We love the title. <laughs> we love the title. And I was like, yeah. So it was like, but I was saying like, this was, this was an issue before COVID, right? Like the loneliness epidemic was happening before we spent a year pretty much in social isolation. So yeah, that's kind of a little bit of the origin story of the book. Well, we love how you've broken it up. I think it's a great, it's great action items, you know, I mean, and you know, and the first, the first part is called be more playful. And I think it's, that's what keeps it interesting, right? It's like that finding, finding those ways that you can surprise the friends that you feel like you already know you really well and like, you know, keep it fresh and whatnot. And, you know, gift giving was one of them, which actually was, was kind of like, huh, for me, because like, I am not, that's not my love language. Like I am not a great gift giver. Like I don't, I mean, when people give me gifts, I'm like, okay, thanks so much for thinking of me. You're so good at this. Like Gabrielle's such a good gift giver. You know what I mean? But like, I don't consider myself to have that skill. So like, you know, when I read that part of it, I was like, oh, you mean like, you know, I could just, uh, I could just like go out of my, if I'm at the grocery store and I say, oh, Gabrielle loves dill pickled popcorn. You know, I'll just grab her some popcorn. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) It's true. But that counts, right? Yeah. And I think like one of, go ahead. You, you're the expert. You go (laughs) first. No, I was just going to (laughs) say like, I I think one of my goals for the book was to make this, I kind of call it like a cookbook for friendship in the digital age. So if you Mm. think about a cookbook, like, you know, like I'll pick up, you know, Samin's book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, or Allison Roman's book. It's like, what am I in the mood for? Oh, not that. Like, I'm not going to make that, but maybe I'll make that. And just to make it kind of an accessible thing of like, what, what am I feeling today? Like, how can I show up better for my friend? Oh, it's so simple. It's this mm-hmm. one thing. Maybe it's writing a letter, buying a gift, picking up the phone and calling, um, you know, thinking about your neighbor, whatever it is, like these little things actually are the foundations for living like a healthy, happy life. You know, if you demystify it a little bit, it's not that complex. It's hard to do in practice. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's pretty simple. And we just need to kind of remind ourselves to put friendship more at the center of our lives. Um, You know, we only spend 4% of our time with our friends. Like when I found out that statistic, I was like, that's makes no sense. Like spending time with your friends is the coolest thing ever. It's fun. It's awesome. It's playful. It's enjoyable. It's hilarious. It's, it's joyful. It's all the things that we want in life. And yet we're spending four time, 4% of our time with friends, 50, 50 minutes a day, each on Facebook and Instagram for active users. (laughs) And it's like, what are we doing? And yeah, social Mm -hmm. media can have some positive effects sometimes when used right. But you know, like, hey, here's a menu of actions, solutions, ideas that people can take to spend more time with their friends. You don't have to do every one every day. You don't even have to do any of them anytime if you don't like them. But some some of the things in the book are probably going to be helpful for, for people um, to just show up better, be a better friend and think about their people more and show up for their people more. I think if we all just show up more for our people in our lives we're going to feel better and they are going to feel better too. Mm-hmm. I also want to take this moment to have an intervention for Smiley and me to have an intervention for Pallavi that you are a good gift giver. You need to understand that you making food for people, making me that soup is a gift, Pallavi. Soup is a that. gift. 
Soup is a gift, okay? Panza llena corazón contento is what we say in Spanish. It's like happy tum, like happy um, full filled tummy, happy happy heart, like content yep. heart. And so, like you are a good gift giver. I want to say it for the record that that you cannot say that you're not a good gift giver anymore. Yes, I okay. I hear you. I will accept that. And one of the things I have worked on in the last year is accepting compliments. So I will take that. It's not even a compliment. Beautiful. It's a fact. <laughs> okay, fine, 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 fine. All right, fine. Move, let's move on to let's move on to part two. Be a better friend. Yes, yes. And so this is actually something we've talked about because you talk about how a third of our uh, lives are spent working. And so friends at work are actually a really important thing to have. But for a lot of people, myself and Gabrielle included, we had a hard time separating conversations with our friends at work from anything but work. You know what I mean? Like right. it was so we were so consumed by the work that, you know, we had a we it really took us until our early 30s to figure out that we didn't have like meaningful friendships with those people because it was on the job. And once we left that job, because we're actors, you know, once we leave a show, you know, that that job is over. So it was very transient in that right. way. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, do you have any thoughts on like, you know, how you can make a, a solid effort on like separating work from personal in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting just looking at the data, employees who have a best friend at work who can identify who their best friend at work is and are really clear about it are seven times more engaged. Mm. And people who are work friends, but spend more time, um, that spend time together outside of work doing things that have nothing to do to, with work together actually do better work together when they come back and actually work. They're more productive, they're more engaged, they're more creative, more innovative. So I mm. think a little bit is finding kind of common bonds and then doing those activities together, not related to work, right? Mm. So especially now, like I always talk about kind of the power of allowing people to bring a little bit of their personal lives outside of what the work context is so that people can be like, oh, I'm into that too, mm. right? Or, yes. you know, like that's a creative passion of mine. Like imagine like, do you remember, I mean, my kindergarten, we used to have star of the day. I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if people have that or like yes. first grade, like, you have a sticker and like, <laughs> it's like you, go, you, go, you have a badge and you go through like the whole class and it's like, you know, all 30 kids, it's like everyone gets a day, you know, once a week or something. Yeah. And, and then it's like the kid gets to be like, this is my favorite stuffed animal. This is my favorite movie, blah, blah, blah. Like this is my, my mom came and brought the, whatever. Um, feature you're like the feature you're of the, the day feature. but like what happens is people are like me too I love that too you know imagine if we did that at work where people could be like I love you know I love yoga I love cycling like oh I'm really into cooking soups as well like oh I got really into you know arts and crafts or painting watercolors or I got a podcast you know or I'm you know making beats on the side whatever like people are doing <laughs> all these different things you finally, suddenly got to get to see that in your coworkers, and you're like okay like this gives us context to talk about something that has nothing to do with the report we're working on or like this paper mm -hmm. proposal. Let's chill. And of course, you know, people can't maybe hang out in person right now, but they can still talk and they can still maybe go on a walk and soon they'll be able to get together in person. So that's a good mm -hmm. place to start, like kind of creating that learning, sharing um, way of connection. And I have to say, though, I think, Pallavi, you were part of this chapter in New York for me. I, I think I finally found something that I guess worked for me and my schedule is I had people over my place to do vision board parties. Yeah, We I did vision board parties. And then you actually made new friends there because you were meeting people, Smiley, like 
not about work, which New York City in general, no matter what industry you're in, is very work-centric, New Yorkaholics through and through, very proud to be one. It was so just hyper, hyper work-centric that you, I didn't know how to talk about anything else. So having people over for vision boards, you met people on the account of their dreams, on yes. what they wanted about, you know, or they just wanted to go with this specific place in the world for vacation, or they like elephants for crying out loud. So I have to say it was, I was a little late on the, on, or I just, it took a while to figure out. So I wish I had your book back then. <laughs> well, that's also just such a deeper thing to do. Like there's a lot of research that shows when people kind of have a shared purpose with others, like they feel more belonging, yeah. they feel more connection, yeah. you know, like I, um, early on in the pandemic, started an author support group where people were uh, coming mm. together to work on their books, right? Because it was like, I lost most of my business, you know, right away. Like as soon as like Disney World closed, NBA canceled mm. their season, I was like, my, because, you know, I'm a speaker and all of the, yeah. you know, events industry just went dark pretty much like right away because people can't get, you know, aren't going to do large social gatherings. So I was like, well, I got to do something here. I got to work on my book and I need to make a little money and I got nothing to do. So maybe we'll do an author group. And there's all these people that were working on their books, some self-published, some trying to get book deals. And we did a six-week um, workshop on Zoom, people coming together once a week. And it was only six weeks, but people that were accountability buddies that were meeting once a week, just one-on-one, -on -one, are still meeting together. Like they're still homies. They're still friends because they're working on a book together. Right? right. They're each working on their book. So if you're working on a book, like a vision board, like you're going to get into it. You're going to hear everyone's like fears, yeah. inner critic, excuses, yeah. mm -hmm. true, true dreams. Probably like, you know, some of it's almost like therapy. So like real stuff's going to exactly come out. <laughs> yeah. It's so cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. And for Gabrielle and I, are, who are two friends that work together as well, you know, like that's that I, I appreciate that, you know, that sort of the validation that it is it's a great way to bridge that that relationship even further it's like you know even today like I think we were talking about something and I was like I, I know she knows that I love her and that I know she's doing great and doing a great job but I'm gonna go out of, I'm just gonna go ahead and send the text because I want her to really know that like yes. I'm thinking about this for her you know <laughs> like it's it's uh it's the in that extra that extra effort took maybe 10 seconds so you know I think even though she and I work together, I try to make sure that I'm making soup or texting. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I believe like sometimes people ask like, what's the one thing, you know, you're going to like tell people about friendship or whatever. And it's like, you can't pick one thing and you can't right? Yeah. I hate the, like that kind of whatever, but I'm just like, just let the people in your life that you love, let, let them know you love them. You know, mm, I, I love that. it's simple, but it's true because, you know, and that was one of the lessons from Levi too, of just like, you don't know how long people are going to be around. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, everyone could use, I guarantee you right now, if you were to reach out to them and I, whatever their preferred method is, maybe it's text, maybe it's a phone call, write them a postcard letter, whatever, yeah. just let them know you're thinking about them. Let them know a recent memory. You, you know, you're thinking about a memory that you shared together. That's a beautiful mm. thing. And, and more yeah. of that, please, you know? Yes. Lightning so the first question I have for you is, do you have none, one, or multiple best friends? Multiple. And how do you keep in touch? My preferred method is phone. I'm a phone call, phone call dude. I love picking up the phone and calling randomly. 
That's my favorite. In one word or possibly a hyphenate, you can get creative here. <laughs> what kind of friend are you? Are you, for instance, like a listener, needy, pub, um, problem solver, blunt? Whatever. I'm a um, hype friend, hype man. You're hype man. <laughs> yep. Love that. That's, that's definitely yeah. a very strong category to be in. No. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> um, and what would you like to do better as a friend? Ooh, good question. Listen. And finally, Smiley, what are friends for? Helping each other achieve our dreams. And tell our listeners uh, where and when you can grab this amazing book about friendship in the time of loneliness. Yeah, so please check out the book. It drops May 4th, but you can pre-order it today whenever this comes out. Uh, You can get it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Bookshop. Wherever you love books, support indie bookstores if you can. You can check out my work at smileypuzwalski.com and follow me on all the all the places. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you really are. You can't miss him. He literally has the best smile in the whole world. <laughs> and also, we're just so excited that you're now a friend of WAF Podcast. I love the podcast. I am a WAF friend, a WAF fan. I love your energy. I love what you all are doing. So thank you for having me on. And thank, thank you seriously for the work that you do. It's super important. Thank you. Aww, thank you. So I'm going gonna, gonna to give you a call and I'm going to make, you know, like a friendship date and we're going to go swimming with dolphins. How's that <laughs> I would love that. I, I would be stoked to go swimming with, with dolphins. <laughs> all right. Until then. Bye. Okay. Bye. bye. <laughs> One, two, three, four. This episode was produced by Team Access Productions and Fastable Inc. Our supervising producer is Philip Asanchian. Our consulting producers are Kathleen Cho and Rose Harwood. Lead production assistant is Anna Daniker. Digital content director is Susie Cabello. Our production assistants are Daniela Aredia Vega, Solaire Olson, and Megan Billadu. Our podcast artwork is created by Ashwarya Sukesh, original music by Joey Sherman, and special thanks to Irresistible Force Publicity and Hari Zabitala. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening now. This helps our show's visibility and helps us keep making it for you. And find us on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at WAF Podcast. That's W-A-F-F Podcast. To find links to our exclusive vodcasts, live shows, shop merch, or even text us, visit WAFPodcast.com. We truly appreciate you all checking in with us online. But you know that friend that you've been like, ah, I really haven't checked in with them in a while. Go do that. Yeah, go do that now.